0: morning. Uh, we're talking about the resurrection today. You're like, Easter was last week. Yeah, I think we can talk about it two weeks in a row. It's okay. All right. So um, we're talking, to, we're going to fully go into the resurrection and what resurrected life actually looks like and what does it mean for you? Because if we're honest with ourselves, I'm much more comfortable dealing with a uh, cross-centered Christianity. Than I am a resurrection centered Christianity. I can understand personal sacrifice. I can understand Jesus uh saving someone. People. Like I would give my life for my kids. Like some of you are like, well, you didn't go have the week I had with my kids. But you know like you, you can understand that sense of of kind of I want to protect them, I wanna I wanna I wanna I wanna save them idea. But the resurrection, we have like, I don't, I don't have a frame of reference to say, I'm back. You know, like, yeah, you thought you had me with the whole death thing, but no, 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 I'm back. I have victory over that. I can defeat all of that. That is, that's hard to wrap our brains around. And so this morning, I really want to step into uh, what that means because I feel like, well, I know that we're missing out on a lot well, the point, if we're only centered on a death-centered Christianity instead of a resurrection-centered Christianity. And so if you've ever asked yourself, maybe this doesn't feel, Jesus as a product doesn't feel like he fixed me. He doesn't feel like he, he did. I was sold this bill of goods and I came to church and it didn't, didn't pay off. And you kind of feel gypped by church. It's okay to think that. Your pastor thinks that every once in a while. Okay. Let's just get that out in the open. Um, you know, you feel, feel like, what the heck? This, thing, this lever's not working. I prayed and it didn't come up all apples and I didn't win my thing. And I, I make fun of it, but in reality, those, those apples of praying and thinking about are pretty important. But when we do that, we, we base it off of what I did and what I provided and how I prayed and how I acted and how I did all these things. And really, that's kind of a death-centered Christianity and not a resurrection centered Christianity. Cause I had nothing to do with the resurrection. Did you have anything to do with the resurrection? We, there's nothing that we could have done. Nothing that we were a part of nothing that we could have been good enough or bad enough or uh, awesome enough or gifted enough or rich enough or talented enough to do any part of the resurrection of Jesus, defeating death and defeating all sin for all time, past, present and future that had nothing to do with us. That was all Jesus all time. And I, I have a story of kind of imitation. Um, the idea of faith in Jesus and, and understanding the cross and understanding, have kind of a faith of death in Christianity. It's kind of an imitation of what all that Christianity can be when we have a faith of the re- based on the resurrection. When I was a sophomore in high school, uh, I went to uh, Oakland and San Francisco. My youth pastor was crazy. He took 16... Uh, students, one of them being Jared Hauser, to work in an inner-city mission in San Francisco for a week. Um, my youth pastor was an amazingly crazy guy. My dad uh, had my mother and this guy on uh, staff at the same time. My dad recounts that time period in his life is I was just pulling back reins because I had two crazy staff members all the time. Like right? they were just—he was go-getter, but uh, Calvin was a little bit nuts. He also worked a side job as a contractor because uh, he worked part time at the church. And uh, through all of these uh, things, he acts actually, and all youth pastors probably have the same story of they got high on a youth trip um, at some point, right? So he is doing the contracting in the freezer room for the the uh, for the the mission, and he's got all the glue that's holding up these these wall panels up. And all of a sudden, he comes out and he just sits down, and he's got. I mean, he's just out of there. And he's like, I got a problem, guys. Uh, <laughs> so, like he, is, he is so, so gone. And I, being a sophomore in high school, had no idea what was happening. And all the seniors who had built their testimony a little bit more than me knew exactly what had happened. And they're all laughing and stuff. And, we, um, and so for the, re- for the rest of that day, we're kind of unsupervised. And so what do we do as good uh, sophomores and juniors and seniors in high school is we start roaming the streets of Oakland near the inner city mission, which I promptly found a guy selling sunglasses and Oakley's in a coat. And I thought this was a great idea. Uh, So I was like, whoa, I'm getting a fantastic deal on some Oakley's. And so I bought Oakley's $300 pair of Oakley's. I was assured that were totally legit for $25. This is a fantastic deal. Uh, here. And so I get these uh, things and I come back and I'm all happy and, and excited. And um, so we go through the rest of the trip. It's a fantastic trip, an amazing trip, other than the first day when my youth pastor got incapacitated. And um, it, it was fantastic. I get back to Kokomo and I'm showing off these sunglasses. I mean, they came with a little baggie and everything. They are legit. And my friend goes, man, those are great Okie's what are you talking about? These are Oakleys. And he's like, look at them. Take them off. You look at the bridge of the nose. You remember the 1990s Oakleys, right? Right, Like the old, wah, cool. They were the coolest. Like, Zack Morris wore them, so everyone else had to wear them. And they had Oaky, but there was no L. And they're like, no, no. They're a really good imitation. I'm so disappointed. My, did that detract the sunglasses from being sun, from? Sunglasses? No, they're still perfectly functional. Fine. But it was just an imitation of something that, you know, everybody wanted. It was just an imitation. I tell you that goofy story to make fun of Jared. But second, I think sometimes we we build into this, our Christian walk, we're kind of just imitating what Christianity can be. We're kind of just imitating it. We're kind of stepping into just the imitation of it, not what the real thing is. And I say that because I'm guilty of that. We buy into fake Christianity, not the real thing. We buy into just just what the death has and not all of what resurrection life is. And so today I want to take a, a, a time, I'm going to be kind of picking on us as fake Christians. It's not a blanket statement as your pastor getting mad at you or whatever. It is from a guy who wrote the, could write a book on being a fake Christian teenager, a fake Christian college kid, a fake Christian pastor and getting paid for it. Let me tell you, that's not a great career plan. Um, the problems arise really quickly. But just kind of fake. Not that I didn't believe in Jesus and not that I didn't uh, wasn't trying my best. It's that I was always centered on what I have done, what I did do in my need of forgiveness only in the cross. And never actually living out what the resurrection and the victory that that has for us, what that says to our hearts and what how that frees us and how that breaks chains and how that sets us free. As we were just singing this song, you know, the resurrecting me, unleashing me, letting me be free. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Is how does that look, and what does that mean for us? A couple of things I need to define before we get uh, too far down that trail is what was the cross. In no way, shape, or form am I demeaning the cross by saying a, a theology of death. The cross is vital, important, and has to happen. It has to. It is the moment in which all eternity is changed. The problem is that's only one part in a two-part story, okay? And so the cross is when Jesus pays for all of humanity's sin, past, present, and future, all of your sin, past, present, and future, all of it at one time by being on the cross and dying on the cross. That is what happens in that moment, and it is amazing. But what the resurrection is is when Jesus has victory over all sin, past, present, and future, All of your sin, past, present, and future, for all sin, for all time, has victory over it. You see the difference? Like, it's fantastic that it's been paid for, but now, three days later, there is victory over all of it. Does this make sense? Are you tracking with me? Because that's a big, big, big point. And I like to get stuck on the cross where it was just paid for, and then I don't know what to do with it. Anybody else with that? Like, okay, it was paid for, good. Good. But I still live in a lifestyle that kind of, I, I, the shame of, oh, man, I put Jesus on the cross comes over and, and, and wrecks my heart. The shame of that kind of, of all the stuff I've done, the, the stupid stuff I did when I was six years old, the shame comes, starts, that, that, that record starts playing in my head again. I'm the only one, right, that, that does that. right? Um, see, if you're trapped in a cycle of shame and confusion and apprehension, you are focused in on what you have done wrong. Not the victory that Jesus has had. When you get focused in on that, that that cycle of shame and confusion and apprehension, you're focusing all on you, not on the victory that Jesus has, the complete victory that Jesus has. Does this make sense? Give me a head rattle, please. Yeah, or this way, we'll keep on talking about it. It's, all right. it's like, I'm going to leave sooner. Don't, everyone take yes. No. So when we don't step into the second part, the victory of who Jesus is, and the victory of the resurrection, the victory of it, he is is killed and crushed by the sin of the world. But then the resurrection is, I can defeat all of that. The worst that humanity can throw at me, past, present, and future, I have victory over. And that is the God, that is the Jesus that when we give our lives to him, we give our lives not to the the Jesus that was defeated, but to the Jesus that has victory over all sin, over all time. Does this make sense? This is vital, 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 vital. Because when we just give our hearts to the Jesus who pays for all sin, that's fantastic, but that's just an imitation. That's just part of it. That's just 50%. It's a good 50%. But it's not the whole thing. Because the the death on the cross, and if we just are in on the the death theology of Jesus, that's the same thing that the Jews were doing by sacrificing animals. Now, Jesus is the Lamb of God, but if we just stop there, all we're doing is continuing the sacrificial system of the temple. But when we step into the victory, we've had complete victory over all of it. You see the difference? It's a big step. It's one we got to take because I don't know about you, but I'm tired of the stupid cycles of shame and confusion and apprehension in my life and feeling like I got, I got Jesus in my life. Why do I keep on falling into these cycles? Why, why, why? Because I'm not stepping into everything that the resurrection has for me. It's playing Christianity instead of being a Christian. We do it all the time. We do it in the ways, and, and that has dramatic effects on how we live our lives as Christians. Right? When we're playing Christians, we, pl- we turn Christianity into a buffet. We're like, I like this verse, and I like this song, and I like this preacher, and I like that church, and I like this. We turn Christianity into a buffet because it's real easy because it's just, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's only halfway part of there. I'm not operating in the victory out of the totalness of what that is, so I'm just going to pick and choose what I kind of like. And that starts to be a problem. We get cranky with it, and we're like, why am I so dissatisfied? Because we're only tapping into half of all of what Christianity has for us. We even do this with verses. I like the part where Jesus forgives me, and he tells people not to judge. not really happy with the parts where he tells me not to judge. I'm happy where he tells everyone else to love, but not necessarily when he tells me to love and to forgive. But a total... Resurrection kind of life, resurrection Christianity says, okay, I'll step into forgiveness and full love. I'll let God take a hold of my tongue to remove all gossip. Those are big steps and big changes. This morning, um, the scripture I want to talk about is in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, uh, verse 15. Uh, you can look that up on your phone using a YouVersion app. You can use Bible in front of you if you don't have one today. Um, if you don't have a Bible at all, please take one of those Bibles with you this morning. It's totally fine with us. If you have six collecting dust at home, please don't take one of our Bibles to collect dust with it. Um, <laughs> uh, so... Um, John chapter 21. Also, on YouVersion, if you use the YouVersion app on your phone, um, each week we have the notes for the sermons put in there as well. It's under the events tab on YouVersion. Um, so you can share those with your friends very easily. Some of you take notes really quickly and you go, Oh, I wish I had more of these notes. Um, it's all on the app, and you can, don't even have to write it out. You can just push the send button. So there you go. Um, John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. All right, I got to set the setting. I got a little ahead of myself. Apologize. Peter is uh, pretty much the lead disciple. He is probably the oldest of the disciples, uh, maybe the biggest of the disciples, just by his career choices and what they usually relied on him for. Um but peter is the best at playing christian he's the best at playing follower he's always trying to say the right thing he's the first to talk and thinking that you know he's the kid in class that raises their hand and be like uh, and, and gives you the answer and you're like yeah that's okay um good johnny you tried hard right like that's peter he's always doing that and so he's the best at playing christian or not, disciple and so he's always doing this always doing this always doing this and what happens is in, um, before Jesus is crucified, Peter denies Jesus three times. And he, when he denies him, he doesn't just say like, um, uh, who are you talking about? Um, he says, I don't know the man. I don't know Jesus. This is a guy and Peter who has followed him around doing everything, eaten every meal with him, took every step with him, you know. Walked through every dust storm and swam in every pond. Eh, did everything with him for the last three years. And when approached, because it was very difficult at this time, he says, I don't I don't know the guy. And so Peter's dealing with this cycle of shame. And he's de- dealing with all this stuff in his head. Like, how, wh- where am I going to be? Who am I going to be? What's this look like? All these guys are looking for me for leadership. And all I want to do is run away because I think I'm going to get killed next. So that's the moment. So what his infinite leadership and total, like we all can identify with uh, Peter, probably all of us guys even more, because his reaction to life got really hard was, let's go fishing. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go drown some worms. I don't think Peter really cares if they catch anything at night. I don't think he cares. He's just like, ah, let's go do this. And I've, I've been there like, yeah, there's a bobber in the water. We're going to, there's nothing on the hook, but I just want to be away from everybody else. Right. Um, that's what Peter's doing. He takes all the guys fishing. So when they had finished eating and uh, there's a story with that, if you want to read earlier part of John 21, it's really cool. But when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said to this to indicate the kind of death in which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to them, said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple from whom Jesus loved and was following. And this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him. He asked what about him? Jesus answered, if I want to, him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. See, Peter is stuck in this cycle. He's still in the shame. Jesus is trying to actively restore him in these moments. Follow me, Peter. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? And Peter's going, but, but, but what about that guy? What about him? I've had that same reaction. God's tried to tell me to do something. I'm like, but but what about him? He's more messed up than I am. Jesus' reaction is, what about yourself? (laughs) Don't worry about him. Follow me. Peter's response to the Resurrection to the cross, and to the resurrection. All in a whole is, I think, this, the same thing that we probably focus in on um, sometimes when we get maybe realize we've been living lies, when we've been uh, acting, got some junk in our lives, when we've messed up, when we've got pasts, when we've got hiccups, when we've got whatever those look like for you. Um, the same cycle kind of happens uh, that happens to Peter. If the first thing is shame, can you imagine the shame that Peter's uh, feeling? I messed up. I had my chance to stand with Jesus. And what I did was I denied him three times. And so this is happening a couple of weeks after the resurrection, this, this conversation that, that Peter and Jesus are having. But can you imagine the, the shame cycle that he's on? It'd be like a CD on skip. You denied. I don't know the man. 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 Know the man. We have a, um, CD. We actually have a CD player in our, in our van, but we have a CD that's stuck. It's Jake and the Neverland pirates. And, um, and, and Lucy absolutely loves it. She gets in our van again, 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 again. So we have to play it, but there's one spot every single time that the thing, and it's just, it's loud and annoying and drives you absolutely insane. And you can't change the, the number on the thing fast enough because, because it's stuck. We have shame stuff in our lives that plays in our head that's loud and annoying and we just let it go in our heads you denied the man you denied the man you denied the man you did this you're not good enough you're not good enough you're a failure you're a failure you're a failure we just let that and nobody even reaches the stinking thing to slap it to make it anymore. we get stuck just as peter was stuck in the shame cycle This is something that that tries to come up every every once in a while. I I have moments where there is something dumb I did when I was seven years old that will pop in my head as a 36-year-old. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a loser. You guys can laugh at me. That's a true story. But you guys do the same thinking thing. Something years and years and years ago happened. You're like, oh, no one even knows, cares if you went to that person to apologize. Like, what are you talking about? That's where I got that scar. Oh, you know, like they don't even know. But we live this life of shame. Second thing we do is Peter is struggling with is confusion. What do I do now? Where do I go now? What do I, what do I even try at this time? Where do I lead these guys? He's just mired in confusion. And some of us, when we deal with our, 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 the shame, we go through this idea of what steps am I supposed to take? What job am I supposed to have? How am I supposed to get here? It's just an all confusing mess. Peter is stuck right in the middle of that huge confusing mess. And then finally, there's this feeling in the cycle of apprehension, this Will Jesus accept me? Will I be accepted? Will I be cared for? Am I too far gone? What do I do now? Where do I go? Will Jesus trust me? These are all the things I can imagine. All the disciples, um this is one of my favorite prayer uh exercises. Is I sit as I in my mind I sit around a fireplace or a fire with the disciples all around and Jesus is there eating this fish um, that they had just caught in my mind. That's this is what I do as a prayer thing. And what is Jesus saying? because like, what he does say is, do you love me? Follow me. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Follow me. It's that simple. Peter comes up with all kinds of excuses. Peter's like, ready, you know in his head, and because you do this too, right? If you're wrong, do you want to have all the excuses and the explanation? Well, God, I mean, they were kind of like hitting you with a flail and ripping your back to shreds. So I didn't really want to interrupt that. I didn't want that to happen to me, and I didn't want to be crucified. And, and then, you know, I started thinking about my mother-in-law. You know, the, the person you healed, I, I've got to take care of her. And I didn't want, I didn't want any of those things to, to come into. He's got all that stuff, and Jesus doesn't want to hear any of it, does he? He's like, do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Follow me. Isn't that Beautiful. That's just forgiveness and that's resurrection forgiveness. That wasn't like, okay, well, you got to do better. And this is the, our three-step process. So this doesn't happen again. And all these things, right? No, no, no. He's like, I have the victory over all that sin. In fact, uh, I died for that. Uh, one of those lashes was for that sin. And I'm, I'm good. We're good. I, I had victory over. It. I defeated it all. It's over. It's in the past. I don't care anymore. He doesn't even give Peter all that stuff. He just says, follow me. We're good. Feed sheep. You know there has to be part of Peter at the end of it going, but I didn't get to tell you all of my excuses. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that great? I don't know if you have ever had that with your with your kids that get caught doing something stupid and you're just like, hey, why don't you not do that anymore? And and then you turn away and they're expecting like the wrath to come down and you're just like, Yeah. But I do this to Bowen sometimes, it really throws him off his game. And he's like, Daddy, can I get you something to drink? <laughs> like, like he's like, Hmm, something. What <laughs> so? Can I, I think Peter's still in that thing. Like, but what about him? Right? You can feel that. This is a twenty-year-old man. You know, just struggling not to be a teenager. Going, but but what about him? Don't worry about. It. Feed my sheep. Follow me. It's because Peter's stuck into this death type. I can't make it right. There's no sacrifices that I can make it right. There's no lambs I can slaughter. There's no bull I can slaughter to ever make it right of my complete rejection of you, Jesus, in your hour of need. There's nothing that can make it right except the resurrection. Jesus saying, I have victory over all of it. I have defeated past, present, and future. And Peter, when you screw up in the, in the future, I got that too. That's the beauty of this. How does Jesus respond? He responds with clarity. He responds with clarity. Peter wants to muddy it all up, and Jesus says, feed my lambs, follow me. He responds with clarity. And some of us in our lives, we need to kind of just adhere to that clarity because I know for me, I can make stuff more complicated than it ever needs to be. Um, if you ever work on a project with Kevin De Hoff and Perry Ackerman, they can make a project way more complicated than it ever was. I mean, I look at it I'm like the hammer needs to be put through the, the wood to the wall. And they're like, well, I mean, the flux capacitor could do this and make it more, and we can make it stronger with a titanium bolt, the lag bolt here, and do this, and that's how we're gonna adhere, you know, the Lego to the other Lego. Uh so but that's what they do, and that's what that's what we do. And we do that with sin issues and like, oh, I'll never do it again and I'll do all this and I'm going to change my ways and I'll give $1,000 every, every second to the poor and if, Lord, you only let me win the lottery, I'll take care of, you know, world hunger. And Jesus is like, that's a lot. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Follow me. See how that cuts through all the junk? What am I supposed to do? Feed my sheep. Now, he... he He's giving this clear message to Peter. And some of us need to hear that this morning. We've got a lot of excuses. We've got a lot of junk. We've got a lot of things. And in, in, in our prayer time, even we're like, God, I need you to do blah, blah, blah. And we're all hyperactive. It's like we ate, you know, drank 30 copies of uh, cups of coffee, and we're all amped up telling God about all the things that we screwed up. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I paid for that. I got this. Follow me. Do you love me? We're good. Clarity. Jesus responds with clarity. The second thing Jesus responds with is purpose. Peter uh, does not know what to do, so he responds with what he knows best and what he probably thinks is, I got to get out of the city because these crazy Pharisees might kill me next, right? It's a, it's a well thought out plan, except it's not what he's supposed to be doing. Peter responds with it, and Jesus gives him purpose. He redirects him. He says, Feed my sheep, follow me, feed my sheep. He responds with purpose. So many times when we get stuck and I'm never going to be good enough and these things happen to me and all this junk in my past and all these 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 weighty issues in the past, we lose our purpose. We lose uh, that. God gives us this purpose of feed my sheep, follow me because that redirects our brains. It redirects uh, our hands away from the old stuff into something new, focusing in on something new that's building up the kingdom of God. Jesus does that for a reason, because when we get idle and we have time on our hands and we're doing stuff that's not really necessary to, to life, it starts to just weigh on us. It starts to take away from who we are. We get, maybe this is even your job. It just feels like it's just sucking your soul dry. Maybe it's other activities you're doing, whatever, it's stuff you just fill space in. But Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to redirect all of that. What you're supposed to do, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Follow me. Redirects that purpose into a focus that lets us power through the disappointments of life and the frustrations of life because we're pushing into that. The third thing Jesus does is he responds to Peter's excuses with redemption. With redemption. Jesus says, feed my sheep with clarity and purpose. And then Jesus introduces redemption to Peter. Jesus never says, you big dummy. He asks a question, do you love me? And then he gives direction, feed my sheep. He's setting him on a whole new path. He doesn't bring up the past. He doesn't bring up the stuff. He doesn't bring up all the ways in which he was wrong. Because honestly, Peter's probably only thinking about uh, the denial of three times. And if Jesus wanted to, being God of all time, he probably could been like, well, you know, you started sinning at three and then you, <laughs> you didn't stop. So if you want to bring up a list of all the wrongs, like we could do that, but that's not what I'm here for. My victory over death was to redeem all of it, all your old stuff, all your present stuff and all your future stuff. So, if you want to get in like this this, this Excel sheet, QuickBooks, uh, you know, ledger board of what I did wrong and what I did right, and is it was an even thing, Jesus is like, just throw it away. I don't care. But we keep those ledger books, right? We're like, oh my God, I did that. Man, check. That's one. Of course, the negatives were, oh, that, and 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 that. And that's exhausting. That destroys our mentality. That makes us feel defeated. That makes us feel like we're on a a spiritual treadmill. Jesus is like, no. Blows it all up. That's what the resurrection does. I've got a feeling that we don't accept the resurrection for that. That we put the resurrection as an add-on to the end of the story. Yeah, Jesus paid for all of our sins, and then three days later, he rose from the dead. The resurrection is the completion of that. That I have victory over all sin for pa- in the past, in the present, in the future. That we get to be set free. That we're not no longer shackled by that past. That we don't have to be stuck in the ideas of shame and confusion and apprehension anymore. Because Jesus paid it all and he gladly did it and he had victory over all of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because this idea of us being just stuck on Friday, just stuck in a theology of death is killing us. It's sucking the joy out of being a Christian. It's keeping us distracted. It's telling us that we're never going to measure up and we're never going to be good enough and we don't know why Jesus is broken and he's not fixing us. It's because he's already fixed you. When we step into the resurrection... Our eternity is there. Our new life is available. The victory has been won. Our sin has been paid for, bought for, paid for, put on layaway. It's done, it's all done. And for me, I know I have a hard time accepting that. I always feel like there's something I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do this better, and I got to hold my tongue right, and I got I to gotta get trapped in this legalistic mindset that Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jared, 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 do you love me? Yeah. Feed my sheep. Follow me. Oh. But what about, I got a to-do list, and I think there's this really thing, cool thing I could do over here. Whoa, Jared, Jared, Jared. Do you love me? Follow me. Book about the. Follow me. I got a feeling you're in the same boat. You've been struggling with the same things. As we close today, I, I, we have this idea of I just want to recap this. The respo- our response to the resurrection has to be clearly seeing the victory. Clearly seeing the victory. We can see the, re- the resurrection for what it is. When the stone is rolled away and Jesus comes up, like the people in that day who are kind of were expecting it still didn't see the victory clearly. So if you're struggling with this concept, you're in good company. But clearly see the victory. Second thing we do is we step into purpose. We step into the purpose that Jesus has called us to. The third thing is we live a life of redemption Instead of bondage, we live a life of redemption. Instead of bondage, that we get rid of the shame cycle that on repeat that just plays in our head. We just, we say, you know what? That's coming up. Let's get rid of that. I'm done for that. Those are mental exercises I have to do. Something comes up, and like Jesus, I know I've been forgiven of this. Help me forgive myself of this. And just throw it away. Live a life of redemption. See, when we live, when we operate in a Christianity that's based on death, it's full of rules and obligations, but a faith built on the resurrection is based on who we get to be in Christ Jesus. There's a huge difference in those. I want a faith that's built on who I get to be on who God has ordained me to be on who God has blessed me to be on who God has uniquely crafted me to be. And he's clearly and uniquely crafted you to be as well. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm messy. And I've done some stupid things. Right now, I want to lay all that past at your feet. I want to lay all the confusion at your feet. I want to lay all the stress at your feet. I want to lay the apprehension at your feet. I want to lay the regret at your feet. I want to lay my wandering at your feet. And instead of being, living a life just based off of all my ledger books, plain and and easy, and are they they equal, I I don't want to care about keeping score anymore. I want to step into the victory that you have for me. God, I I, I come before you this morning. I just ask you to take this weight off of our shoulders. That we would step into what the resurrection means, that you have won. That you are winning and you will win. Help us to believe that. Help us to know that deep in our hearts. When life comes at us so hard and life is throwing us off our, our, our game and life just maybe our family has messed us up and our jobs are messed us up, that that we know that we have the victory and that you have provided it for us. God, that we would make life simple, that we would love you and that we would follow you. And all the rest is just gravy. God, right now, I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to step into all that the resurrection has for me. Right now, in this moment, God, I want to change my ideas of what Christianity can even be like, what it means to be a follower of you, to be a victorious son and daughter of you. That through my past, I still want to follow you. Through my issues, I want to follow you. That you would make that clear, that you would make that plain. That you'd remove the obstacles I have that you would remove all the excuses that I have. And right now, that I would come into your presence. That I would see what you have for me in a more clear way. Instead of operating out of death, that I would operate out of life. God, I love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning as we leave, I just want us to think about the ways in which we live our lives. What can we change to live more victoriously? What can we just drop? What do we just need to leave? What do we just say? You know what? God doesn't care about that at all. He asked me to feed his sheep and follow him. Let that be our to-do list this week. Let that change our plans. Let that orient our life and the way we parent and the way we love our, our spouses and the way we go grocery shopping and the way we eat our lunch. That we love Jesus. We love others. I'm looking at the clock. Um, I want to dismiss us today. Um, but before that, I just wanted to say um, there was a funeral service yesterday for Colette um, Many of you know her, many of you don't know her because she's been struggling with cancer for many years and she moved to Arkansas for the last bit of her life. And so if you're new to the church, you never got to meet her. Um, but Colette was a, a life that um, had its struggles and she dealt with all kinds of interesting things. And the last time I ever saw her, um, we spoke about heavenly things and how scared she was, and how she'd been baptized, and how she believed in Jesus, but how scared she was because her past was so messy. And at the end of the day, I know Colette is in heaven because of the choices that she made to come, come to chase after Christ. But at the end of the day, if we get close to the end of our lives, I don't want us to to be stuck on that idea of, am I in, am I out? 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 I have this past. I have this stuff. I did this horrible thing. Jesus knows that, and he paid for it, and he would do it all over again for you, and he loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And so as you go from this day, I want you to take that in your head that, if I was, knew I was terminally ill, I knew I was going to die tomorrow, am I still worried about what I did in my past? Or can I say, God, I know you have a victory over all my sin in the past and in the present and in the future. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed.